Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. Today is episode 471. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Let's read our passage. Now, if the ministry that brought death, chiseled in letters on stones, came with glory, so that the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation had brought glory, the ministry that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was set aside was glorious, what he endures will be even more glorious. This is Second Corinthians. This is Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. He sent it from Macedonia via Titus. Titus had gone earlier carrying the tearful letter, which was a follow-on to Paul's first-hand visit there, which didn't go well. There was opposition, and Paul left, went back to Ephesus. And he sent the tearful letter to lay out exactly what the problem was and challenge them for their behavior. And Titus reported back that apparently the church had repented overall. Still a minority who had yet come over to Paul, but the majority decided they really were supportive of Paul. So it was a good uh, result, but Paul sees there needs to be more. That's the purpose of this letter, to try and win over the remaining group in Corinth. And Titus is going to take this letter back to Corinth and try and resolve the remaining issues. He's been talking about some of the issues they had with him, his changing travel plans, the fact he sent Titus versus coming to them in person. And he's told them that it's because his whole desire is reconciliation. So had he come directly and not been immediate repentance, he would have had to discipline. And that's not what he wanted. He wants reconciliation. And so it seems to have worked out the way it's gone by sending Titus to, with the letters and he's getting reconciliation. So then he shifted gears to talk about his ministry itself and what it is that his ministry is about and why he does the things he does. And we're getting a peek at some people who've shown up in Corinth and from Paul's perspective are troublemakers. And we get the sense that they are what we called in Galatians Judaizers. These were Jewish Christians, at least they claim to be Jewish Christians, they're teaching that you have to become a Jew in order to be a real follower of Christ. And so Paul's been talking about the old covenant versus the new covenant. And last time we saw, he said, we're, we're ministers of this new covenant. And he talked about the, the old covenant, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And he's continuing this discussion here, verses 7 through 11. And first, let's talk uh, about one thing that jumps out is the word glory or glorious ten times in these five verses. Now, the word glory is only used like 21 times in the entire book of 2 Corinthians. Half that is right here in this paragraph. So we call this a clue. Glory is a big deal in this discussion that Paul is using. So you just look at the 10 times that you see glory or glorious here. 
And his whole point here is he's contrasting the old covenant with the new covenant. And he's not denying the glory of the old covenant. When God came to Moses and gave the Mosaic law, Mount Sinai, that was an incredibly glorious thing. But Paul's saying, but that doesn't match the incredibly more glorious thing that God has now done through Christ. So if the old covenant in all its problems is so incredibly glorious, and it is, how much more glorious is the new covenant? And he uses this uh, device of argumentation going from least to greater of, well, if this was good, then how much better is that? And he uses that with the argument of this new covenant. The old covenant was glorious. How much more glorious is the new covenant? So let's dive into it. Verse 7. Now, if the ministry that brought death, chiseled in letters on stones, came with glory, so that the Israelites were unable to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So using the if-then statement here, basically, if the old covenant came in glory, well, how much more glorious is this new covenant, the covenant of the Spirit. So he uses words that are like broad death and chiseled in letters on stone. Well, he's talking about the Ten Commandments here, chiseled on letters on stone. And the ministry brought death. He talked about that before the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant brought death, in that it revealed sin and shows condemnation. Death comes from sin not from the covenant, but the covenant spells that out, makes it plain, shows the, the result of sin is death. So that's the old covenant. But it was glorious, absolutely glorious. In fact, it was so glorious, he, he talks about the, the glory on Moses' face. And this is the account that when Moses would come and meet directly with God, his face glowed with glory because he had been face to face with God. And in fact, they had to put a veil over his face because it was freaking him out. It really bothered people that Moses was glowing. It just freaked them out. And so they asked him to put a veil on God didn't say, and Moses, you must veil your face so that no one can gaze upon your glory. No, the people of Israel went to Moses and said, Moses, you're, you're messing with our minds here. Please put a veil on. This glowing stuff is messing with us. So they asked Moses to put the veil on. Well, actually, veil is going to be the key word in the next section that we look at. So we must all the glory of God showing from Moses' face. Then he adds, which was set aside. Now, it's a word that gets translated, which was set aside. And how to translate that word is, it's one of those things the Bible translators say, this is tough to do. Because what exactly does it mean? Does it mean set aside, was overshadowed, just faded away? And is it referring to the covenant or is it referring to Moses's face? So to refer to the fact that eventually Moses's face quit glowing, and the longer he was away from God, the less it glowed. 
or is it referring to the fact of just the, the fading away of the covenant? I think it refers to Moses' face, a quick glowing. But the whole point there is it was temporary. Whatever you're referring to here, whether it was Moses' glowing face or the Mosaic covenant, they're both temporary. And if that temporary, death-filled, limited covenant was so glorious, then how much more glorious is the ministry of the Spirit? So he has here in verses 7 and 8 this if-then. If that ministry of death was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry of the Spirit? Well then, in verse 9, he has another if-then statement. For if the ministry that brought condemnation had glory, the ministry that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. So again, it's an if-then. If that old covenant was glorious, and it was, how much more glorious is the new covenant? And here his comparison is that the old covenant brought condemnation, where the new covenant brings righteousness. In fact, overflows with righteousness. Then verse 10, in fact, what has been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. So there he's just making a commentary about that old covenant. It was glorious. Oh, absolutely, it was glorious. But compared to this new covenant, it's not glorious anymore because the new covenant surpassed. It's better. And then verse 11, his last if-then statement. Or if what was set aside was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. And it refers to the old covenant. It was set aside. It was set aside. It was all pointing to the coming of Christ. And now that Christ has come, it's set aside. But this new covenant, it endures. It's making this comparison between the, the new covenant and the old covenant. The old covenant brings death. The new covenant brings life. The old covenant condemnation. The new covenant righteousness. The old covenant has been set aside, abolished. The new covenant is permanent. It endures. So he's arguing for the fact that the new covenant in Christ has replaced the old covenant from Moses. And while what happened on Mount Sinai, what happened with that old covenant was a glorious thing, it is not glorious when you compare it to the new covenant. So we're getting the picture that these teachers that have come to Corinth, they're Judaizers. They're trying to teach people to fall back on Judaism as the way to know God. And they're not denying Christ here, but they're saying that it hasn't replaced Judaism. And so Paul here is arguing, yes, it has replaced Judaism. You do not need to become a Jew to follow Christ because Judaism is the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant given to Moses on Mount Sinai that the Jews lived under. And it was a thing from God. It was glorious. But the new covenant that there is a relationship with God to be had through Christ, through the forgiveness of sin, has replaced that old covenant, and it is even better. So the implication is, so don't fall back into Judaism. Instead, follow Christ in the new covenant. Thanks for joining me.
join me again next time as we continue working through 2 Corinthians.